Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It's great to have you with us another Wednesday evening, reflecting into this rich uh, topic of Pope Francis, his both uh, life and thought. And if you are listening to us in uh, Brazil, uh, Italy, England, Spain, Belgium, Turkey, Australia, I see you out there on the index feed. And I do welcome those of you who are uh, now listening uh, by way of podcast in the, the Bay Area back there this past weekend. It was great to be there. Great to offer up some conferences on Catholic life and thought. So that being said, it is Wednesday, which means I have uh, Bob Cross with me. So Bob, it is great to have you with me uh, another Wednesday evening. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. So Bob, Pope Francis, life and thought again, life where he's at in the news uh, right now, as many of you know out there, many of you faithful listeners know that um, a couple days ago that the Synod on the Family started, this kind of preparatory Synod that's going to last for a couple of weeks. And so I think for the next few weeks, we will be talking about this along with Joy of the Gospel. And Bob, there was something that struck me uh, this past Monday. It was really the opening address where they kind of laid the groundwork. And I wanted to talk about that for a little bit. You know, there was an article that I want to read from that kind of lays the groundwork for this synod. And I, I have to say that, you know, this is Pope Francis's first oversight of a synod. And, you know, with much anticipation, I think everybody's looking forward to see what actually becomes of this, mm-hmm. especially as it's rooted in the family and it's all about the topic of the family. Anyway, the article goes as thus. On the first day of discussion at Third Extraordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops and the Family, Cardinal Lorenzo Baldessari, the Secretary General of the Synod of Bishops, called for free discussion. The prelate previously served as nuncio, as Secretary of the Congregation for Bishops, and as Secretary of the College of Cardinals until his September 2013 appointment as Secretary General of the Synod of Bishops. In his October 6th address, Cardinal Baldessari discussed developments that have taken place since the 2012 Synod on evangelization and the preparation for the current Synod. The preparatory phase, he said, was characterized by a spirit of freedom and sincerity which was desired. This broad freedom of expression must also characterize the Synod Assembly because expressing one's convictions is always positive as long as it is done in a respectful, loving and constructive manner. We are all aware that in freedom, fraternal communion grows, discussion is enriched, and the most appropriate pastoral choices regarding the family are singled out. He continued, in fact, it is important for a person to express himself without fear or suspicion. Feeling free free to express what is believed or what is doubtful shows what distinguishes a human being from other creatures and makes him a responsible person before God and man. Mm. Consequently, discussion at the Synod is to be open, he added. When differences arise, participants in their various roles are called not to stress their own interests or point of view, but to seek the truth, which is not an abstract concept or the result of philosophical or theological speculation, but the person of Christ, the God-man, 
man born in time and son of the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14.6 He is the point of departure. The first evangelizer is Jesus who came down to walk among us and came to be known by his word and signs and finally with the witness of his life. Cardinal Baldessari discussed the ways in which the current synod is different from previous ones. Instead of presenting a list of proposals to the Holy Father, the synod fathers will vote on a final document, the Relatio Synod, which will be presented to the Pope for his consideration. I pray that this synodal assembly might be the privileged place of the synodal congeniality, which proclaims the gospel by walking, and that it might be imbued with a new openness to the Spirit, by an approach and manner of life and witness which ensures a unity and diversity, and apostolicity in Catholicity. In Catholicity. Sorry. Catholicity. Catholicity. (laughs) Too many syllables. He added in his concluding remarks. Amen. So what's going on here, Bob? Well, let us first make the point. When you talk about collegiality, it is this fraternal listen-response relationship. And at its heart is this need for us to be open, Bob, huh? To be able to listen to one another. And so if if we are not listening to one another, if we are not engaging in that sense, what's happening? It's a tell. What's a tell? Well, in the world of poker, a tell is when you tip your hand. You let the person across from the table know that you are either bluffing or not bluffing with some sort of physical movement. Maybe you have a twitch if you get nervous, right? In essence, what you're doing is your body is communicating an in inward reality or your body is communicating what you are thinking. When we are in a conference room or when we are uh, engaging in a conversation among a larger group, if we are more concerned, Bob, with getting across our viewpoint and not really engaged in what the person is actually saying, we have tells, huh? (laughs) We have a way of letting people know that we are not interested. And I think we've all experienced this. And so for a synod to come together and to truly be open, we need to be engaged in such a way where we are genuinely listening to everyone in the room and not concerned with what we're going to say and letting people know that with our tells, if you will, but actually responding to what people are saying. And so this is why uh, there's such an emphasis on freedom, that you establish that rhythm and tenor within the room itself that opens itself up then to the spirit of truth and the spirit of discovery. Essentially, what Pope Francis wants, and he talked about this in his opening uh, lines and his opening homily, that we need to be able to listen to each other. Everyone in this room needs to feel free to express where he is at. And I could say, and also should say, he or she, because they have also invited six married couples to offer reflections for them. That being said, why is this so important? Well, the article touched upon it there, okay? Truth. We're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And lest we forget, Bob, that the most fundamental vocation of the church here on earth, the first vocation, is to bear witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. And he reminds us that he is the fullness of truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we discover that truth based upon Bob, a very real dialogue. Again, dialogue, dialogic, 
Logic is the instrument to reason. If you put Jesus Christ, the person, the God-man, in the middle of the table in our discussion, we are going to be able to arrive at a point of truth. But if we are caught up in our ideologies that Bob have a tendency, even for prelates within the church, high-ranking officials in the church, have a tendency to have a, a tinge of political influence, if you will, we are not going to be able to freely engage the listen-response dialogue that is going to move towards truth. Truth is not arbitrary. Truth is not what I think I know or what you think I know. Truth is something to be discovered. And Jesus Christ is the fullness of that truth. So it is through the dialogue that we discover the truth of Jesus Christ. And we need that freedom to do so. And again, not a freedom that's autonomous from truth or autonomous from law, but a freedom that is rooted in the essence of what freedom is about. Freedom is not a license to do whatever we want to do. Freedom is not my way or the highway, but freedom is a means to do what we ought for the greater good. Again, Bob, man is only free to the extent that he understands law to be ordered to truth. Without any kind of rule to follow, man's freedom would be sieged by chaos and be left with no more than clutching at empty space. I mean, what piano player is free if he has not first learned the rubrics of how to play the piano? Now, what mechanic is free to work on a car if he has not first learned the trade of being a mechanic? Only in learning their respective trades will they be authentically free to become the best piano player and mechanic possible. Essentially, freedom is caught up in the language of the truth that is inherent to the discipline that wishes to be practiced. Freedom is not something that we are to see as an instrument for indifference, but again, a means to an end that points to excellence. So the whole idea here is the church wants us to feel free to be able to share where we're at. Is this not what Jesus Christ did a few weeks ago in the gospel? What do you think? And then he offered his parable of the two sons. Now, what's interesting is he didn't just say, what do you think? And then he listened to the people. No, he's the incarnation of truth. He invites his listeners by saying, what do you think? And then he gives the parable. So he, he asks the question so that we might be thinking critically, but he wants us thinking. That is to say, thinking out from not the imposition, but the proposition. Not from the coercing or the browbeating, but from the invitation. And indeed, we are free when we feel invited by the openness of the spirit of truth. It goes back to the aforementioned Pope Francis' personal accompaniment giving the person the experience of being listened to. Well, it's interesting that Cardinal Baldessari, as, as he's laying down the ground rules here, so to speak, and explaining, you know, how we can be collegial to his brother bishops and cardinals, he, he states it, it's not like if there is dissension or if there is differences. He says when yeah, differences yes. <laughs> yeah. arise, yeah. participants in their various roles are called out to stress their own interests are not called to stress their own interests or point of view, but to seek the truth. I mean, he's calling on the Holy Spirit here yes, to allow yes. itself to manifest that God himself, the God-man, mm -hmm. through the Holy Spirit, allow for these differences to be listened to, 
mm-hmm. and to allow for the truth to come forth. Yeah. Amen. That's very key of you, Bob, to, to, to see that, because especially putting that in light of the Holy Spirit, let us go back to Vatican II. I mean, we must remember that when Vatican II originally convened, those initial initiatives <laughs> were all but thrown out. They said, you want to know what? We're here for all the wrong reasons. The Holy Spirit wanted something else. We forget about that part of Vatican II that they actually dismissed each other to reconvene later. And of course, John the 23rd passes away, and this is when Pope Paul VI becomes Pope, and they reconvene, and well, look what you have, Vatican II. And so you never know uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Then Cardinal Ratzinger, who was president in Vatican II, he stood up and he said, guys, we have to be able to challenge ourselves. Are we going to come together and talk in this fancy language so as to put out another great document on where we think we should go? Let us speak in layman terms. This was Cardinal Ratzinger. Let's speak in layman terms. What did Pope Francis just say, by the way, last week? This is not going to be a synod to kind of puff each other up and how smart we are. This is going to be a synod on how we can pastor the people who need strong, holy shepherds. I mean, this is what it's about. So we need to draw back. And he's this Cardinal and Pope Francis saying, draw back and let the Holy Spirit work. Give room for the Holy Spirit to work. I was going to ask you, Joe, is that what Cardinal Baldessari is saying when he mentions that this is a, this is a different type of synod? Instead of, of presenting a list of proposals to the Holy Father, the Synod Fathers will vote on a final document that will be presented to the Pope for his consideration. Is that what he's talking about? I mean... Yeah, that's a good question, actually, Bob. And really, I think the uniqueness of this synod, one that is to embark on a deep understanding of how to pastor the family, is more about uh, the uniqueness of the times we live in. I mean, 40 years ago, we did not see the kind of divorce rates that we see today. Uh, 40 years ago, uh, there weren't uh, civil gay marriages. 40 years ago, we weren't dealing with all of these bioethical issues as it relates to the family. So this synod is unlike any other in the context of time. Uh, As it relates to initiatives and and taking those to the Pope, no, that's pretty standard for any synod. Over the last uh, four or five years, we've had different synods, and this is the procedure. Uh, It goes just two years ago, we had the synod on the new evangelization. Of course, joy of the gospel is a response to those initiatives, right? So as it relates to this synod and initiatives, no, that's pretty standard. But again, this is not a synod on divorce. It is a synod on the family. There is not going to be some seismic shift on the church's teaching on marriage. Given the aforementioned topics that uh, priests and other shepherds have to deal with as it relates to the family, I mean, we have to be realistic here. There is literally, without embellishment, hundreds of practical questions that we need to look at long and hard. Uh, Questions that aren't going to take the church down a path it's never been before as it relates to its core teachings on principle and truth. No, but those questions that relate to how do we help people better understand the situation they are in and how to better move forward in a pastoral way. The drive-by media, Bob, wants this synod to be about something that it's not. So it's going to grab, to poke, and to pull at anything it can to present the synod as something that it's not. 
Simply put, Bob, Pope Francis has called this synod on the family because he understands the family is at the heart of the new evangelization. That's where it starts. So he's called this synod, and he's going to ask the hard questions because we need to start asking the hard questions. Questions that are not outside of the realm of truth, but pastoral questions that are inside the realm of truth. And I understand why this plays so well into Pope Francis's agenda. I mean, he's... It's about the new evangelization with him, and he sees it as, okay, we have to start with the family first, because that's where the new evangelization really has to come from. The way we are at our basic, fundamental cell, mm-hmm. you know, the family. The family is, is where we start. society, yep. Right. Yep. So I, I, I can see that. And so, I mean, that's his kind of his direction, and he's throwing it out there, these cardinals to address, yeah. right? There's no question. You have... In the first year and a half of his pontificate, uh, some symmetry here that's quite beautiful. You think about it. He finishes up Lumen Fide, Benedict's encyclical on the light of faith. Right? Then we have him writing the document on the new evangelization, of course, what we've been talking about, Joy of the Gospel. He, he wants to get us thinking about the family, the Celta society. And he's also Bob currently working on a document on poverty. So if you were to look at the points of transition from Benedict to Pope Francis, we can begin to gain some insight on what the Holy Spirit is doing. The points of transition from Benedict to Francis are faith and the new evangelization. The points that Pope Francis is putting on the table are poverty and this call to shepherd the family back into the heart and the life of the church. So therein lies the wonder and the beauty in the work of the Holy Spirit, from faith and the new evangelization to poverty and the family. When you combine the four together, what you have is an ushering in of the work of God in the life of the domestic church and the universal church. Now, as it relates to the apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel, let us kind of turn our attention, Bob, now to that work. Last week, Bob, we took up the words of Pope Francis on spiritual worldliness. Isn't it fitting and providential for you and I to be talking about spiritual worldliness within the context of the convening of this synod? Why? Because he is telling all of those out there to listen to one another and don't be so myopic. Don't be so nearsighted. Don't be so concerned about just getting your opinion in and then being done with it. Was this not what we talked about last week? Open yourself up to truth. Again, give the person across the room the experience of being listened to as much as you are able. You know, this spiritual worldliness, we talked about it as he talked about it. And what, Bob? These two camps, the sentimentality in one hand, and then this over-rigidity on the other, both of which do not allow the conversation to evolve. We're so predisposed to just cut the person off and say, well, you don't understand this, that. Listen, listening is an art. And so what does he say? Stop warring among yourselves. In fact, if you were to go to paragraph, uh, let's see here, paragraphs 98 to 101, Bob, he titles this subsection, No to warring among ourselves. And in 
Paragraph 98, he has some strong words to say. He says, how many, how many wars take place within the people of God in our different communities, in our neighborhoods, and in the workplace? How many wars are caused by envy and jealousy, even among Christians? Spiritual worldliness leads some Christians to war with other Christians who stand in the way of their quest for power, prestige, pleasure, and economic security. Some are even no longer content to live as part of the greater church community, but stoke a spirit of exclusivity, creating an inner circle. Instead of belonging to the whole church in all its rich variety, they belong to this or that group which links or thinks itself different or special. Everybody gets angry anymore, it seems like, when they discuss different yeah. topics. And that's what you know, Pope Francis is talking about. Yeah, we were talking beforehand, Bob, about how we are influenced the way we think within our Christian Catholic faith as it relates to what's outside of that, being a Democrat or Republican, left-wing, right-wing, liberal, conservative. Um, we bring this into our discussions, and it does not allow the conversation to evolve, ultimately. And it, I love this phrase, it stokes a spirit of exclusivity. Now, what is he talking about here? It's certainly he's speaking within the Catholic circle, but... Well, I tell you, over these past few weeks, I have had so many conversations, and I've been asked a number of questions about Pope Francis, about the Catholic Church, and it's not them inquiring into what Pope Francis is saying, where the Catholic Church is at. They want to give it the context of Obama, Boehner, so on and so forth. We're not free from advancing our conversations in the spirit of truth because we're stuck in the murkiness of what we think we know versus what Christ has revealed. And what has he revealed? He's revealed the fullness of truth and that we must accept this and engage this truth for what it is. The truth, Bob, that our sonship is not realized in whether or not we are Democrat or Republican, but whether or not we are Orthodox and obedient to the teachings of, of the faith, to the Word of God and sacred tradition. And yeah, it becomes very problematic when we start putting our hope into political figures that are tied to our political affiliation and not in God himself. Yes, are there politicians who can have an impact on issues like pro-life? Certainly. And as faithful Christians, we need to look at that as a priority. But we have to be careful in putting an overemphasis on the political structure and at once de-emphasizing our ultimate end which is trust and hope in God. So circling back to the document here, Bob, as it relates to this opening paragraph and this stop warring among yourselves, our political ties have us uh, stoking this exclusivity and creating these inner circles that do not allow us to be free to engage the larger community. We've all experienced this. Every church has its inner circle. Every parish community has its inner circle, and we need to be able to work through this. It's important for us to appreciate what Pope Francis is saying here. And what he's saying here is, be careful that your spiritual worldliness, that your myopia, your nearsightedness, is not opening you up to your brother and sister in Christ so as to be able to engage that dialogue. He says in, in paragraph 99, <clears throat> wounded by a widespread individualism, which divides human beings, setting them against one another as they pursue, the, pursue their own well-being. 
I mean, and, and you see that this individualism that's so pervasive in today's world, it comes across as, as an anger. I know mm. I, I experience myself. I feel like, you know, by golly, I need to express myself and, and, and I get a little frustrated when people don't necessarily think or feel the way that I do because I, gosh, I'm, I must be right. Mm-hmm. And you find that all the time. And, and it's so interesting that on the, you know, here we are on the doorstep of another election. You know, it's an obvious yep, election yep, here yep. in this country. But, you know, the synods dealing with uh, the cardinals are even talking about how that they can enter into this synod, this meeting on the family and how they could be collegial. Mm-hmm. how they could listen to one another, how they could look for the truth and ask for the Holy Spirit to help them you know, experience that. And you think about it in a wider scope of things, and gosh, we all need to listen a little bit better, don't we? Amen, Bob. I mean, it really challenges us in the end to draw back and to be present to one another in such a way where we can invoke the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit what is the right thing to say based upon what this person is telling me right now? Maybe it's a question. More often than not, it probably should be a question so as to encourage and advance the discussion as Jesus Christ teaches us to do. So as we talk about this and as we wrap up this radio program, and we're going to be spending a lot more time, just not in these three paragraphs, Bob, but also in our reflections on the synod on the family, because it's just too important. So yeah, be informed. Huh? I mean, be informed on what's going on over in Rome right now. Yeah, we will be talking about the sin in next week and the following week. But to go to newadvent.org. You have heard Bob and I talk about newadvent.org. It's a great website. Uh, they draw from some great, very well-respected blogs. You can also go to catholicnewsagency.com. Uh, go to Va- the Vatican website itself. I mean, there you are obviously dealing with a a primary website, a primary resource. So, Anyhow, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, Holy Mary. Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.